Time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. All right, we're going to start out today by talking about Lytton. It is surprising that we still have to bring this story to light after the last couple of years. Well, yeah, it, it really is an indictment of how we do stuff here in British Columbia. So you go back to the fire that destroyed Lytton in a matter of minutes in July, it's June 30th, 2021. And right away you get then Premier John Horgan and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. We got your back, Lytton. We're going to rebuild Lytton. We're going to put up a whole bunch of money. And they have put up a lot of money. Last time I looked, they put up about $150 million, which ought to be enough to build a town, but nothing has happened. Uh, Here we are. Uh, Yesterday, uh, Lytton residents, well, would-be Lytton residents, some of them have died waiting to get back into their homes, uh, have a protest march, 840 days and still no town. I mean, that is, as I said, uh, just a, an indictment of the way we do things here in British Columbia. It really is incredible that nothing has happened there two and a half years have passed. And what is the holdup? Like from, from observing it, what is going on? Well, as near as one can tell, We have legislation in British Columbia called the Heritage Act, which requires when there is evidence, suspicion, historical evidence, in this case, historical evidence, that a site uh, may well contain artifacts uh, of indigenous inhabitation going back thousands of years. No question that Lytton does have that. What you have to do is conduct a thorough archaeological examination of the site. And then if you set out to build anything, you have to basically have a contract with an agency that uh, staffs and monitors what's going on uh, to see if anything turns up while you're digging. And those contracts are not cheap. Uh, One resident uh, said, okay, I'm ready to start. Uh, gets a tab for $22,000. People people being paid $800 a day to watch holes being dug in the ground. Look, the people of Lytton, to their credit, are not blaming Indigenous people for this. They are not coming out and saying, we've had enough of this. They have, obviously. But they're not trying to pick with a fight with their neighbours, their Indigenous neighbours. I think, however, Simi, they have a good case to make that British Columbia society collectively established these principles in legislation for archaeological review. And instead of sticking the homeowners with the bills for this work, what what we should be doing collectively, what we should have done a long time ago, is build accommodation for these people nearby somewhere else and collectively take on the responsibility of excavating the site and rebuilding Lytton under our new laws and registration. That's the best I can say looking at it. But there's something else we should flag here, Simi. The government doesn't want to talk about this. They don't want an independent review of how they've handled it. They have repeatedly, the New Democrats, given us all kinds of guff about when this is going to be underway. I've got a file full of towns should be rebuilt by now, just to believe what New Democrats have said in the past. 
And the other night, um, the MLA for the region, Jackie Teagar, got up in the Public Accounts Committee of the Legislature, which is the one that oversees the work of the Auditor General, and she made a motion. Let's get the Independent Auditor General to come in and look at this and tell us, is the government being straight with us? Is What are the reasons for all these holdups? The New Democrats voted it down. They mustered their majority. Uh, they may have trouble getting going on rebuilding Lytton, but they've got no problem using their voting power to make sure nobody ever takes an independent look at what they're doing. They voted it down, and the motion died because uh, the opposition didn't have the votes to push it forward. Right, but the Auditor General can still do this. You know, that's interesting, and that's true. The Auditor General really is an independent watchdog on government, and not just on financial matters, but on the effectiveness of government programs. And the Auditor General conducts those kinds of reviews all the time. Um, I would say that um, I don't see an awful lot of enthusiasm on the part of the Auditor General to look at cutting-edge things like this where you could actually come in and write a report and say, here's what went wrong, here's what needs to happen, but give the Auditor General the benefit of the doubt. He could take the hint uh, from uh, the Public Accounts Committee. He could say, well, the government doesn't want me to look into this. I better look into this, because that would be, yeah, if I were Auditor General, <laughs> I think if any journalist in British Columbia were Auditor General, because remember, the Auditor General has access to that those of us in the right. news media can only dream of. He can order up any documents. He can take testimony. They can't hide from an auditor general that's determined to get to the bottom of it. So I say, attention, auditor general, the government doesn't want you looking into this. That's reason enough to look into this. Oh, I think he's the kind of person who might just take a look at yeah, that. Right. So yeah, I no. think so. Yeah, I like likes to get a couple of hints dropped there. So we'll have to talk more about that. Well, I'm waiting to see the bill for the fines after yesterday's announcement by BC Ferries about missing a couple of sailings for cruise shortages. We're back now with Vaughn Palmer. You're waiting to see the bill too, right? Yeah, you know, the New Democrats, uh, they took charge of the Ferry Corporation, put their team in place to run things and Man, oh man, they're going to get tough with this thing. The government announced it's going to claw back part of the subsidy that it gives BC Ferries uh, fines if they miss a sailing. And let's see. The subsidy this year is $700 million. The fines are $7,000. You can do the math. Anyway, um, we got the first real interruption yesterday in service uh, since the fine announcement uh, so, of course, you go on, you pick on the minister, Rob Fleming. Um, what about the fines? Well, they don't kick in until next year. Oh, what a relief. Uh, the ferry <laughs> oh, yeah. Gets home and next year, they're going to get that $7,000. That's going to make a big <laughs> difference down there. Uh, anyway, uh, it's crew shortages. It's all the stuff we've been writing about. They, <laughs> they, at least it wasn't a vessel problem. In fact, they took one of the vessels that was in for repairs and brought it back into service a day early to try to relieve the pressure. And they managed to fix things up and, and we stagger onward. Uh, you know, they really did take political ownership of this, Simi. This is the thing that stands out to me. They appointed a former NDP cabinet minister, Joy McPhail, as the chair of the board. And the first thing she did was she fired the CEO that uh, the New Democrats had inherited. Uh, and she put in her handpicked choice as a, 
as a CEO. And, and neither one of them, neither Joy McPhail nor Nicholas Jimenez, have any experience running a ferry system, but okay, they're the NDP's choices. So you go to the premier and you say, like, when do you actually take ownership of this thing? You know, you've taken yeah. political ownership. When do, you, when do you, and he goes, his response is fascinating. I'm very frustrated, wildly frustrated. I'm not going to stand for this. <laughs> I'm listening to him. I'm going, you know, he's, he, he like shares you are your the premier, pain. Though. If you're waiting yeah. <laughs> for the fairies, he shares your pain. And I'm going, you are aware that you're the premier. Right. And that it's your team that's running the fairies. Like, you can't blame this on the previous government, which has been gone for seven years and not missed, one has to say. Um, and that's what you get from the premier. He's wildly frustrated and by God, they're not going to stand for this any longer and we're going to fix everything. So we go on. Yeah, we go on to, and though you mentioned though, the fines aren't going to be taking place until no. next year, which is convenient, right? Yeah, well, you know, $7,000 fine and the government's giving you $700 million this year. Like that's going to make a difference. I, yeah, I exactly. you know, I don't see it. Kevin Falcon says, well, why don't you find the executives? But that, that doesn't really make sense either. I mean, the accountability here is with the government that took political ownership of the ferry system. Yes. And, and, and that's where the accountability belongs. And that's where I feel your pain is not going to satisfy very many people out there that are waiting for the ferry. All right. And we also talk about the Massey Tunnel, because I also oh. had a chuckle about this big update on the Massey Tunnel. And I still, has anything changed so about when it, this thing is going to be finished? Yes. Yeah, so a trigger warning for the listener who is waiting to go through the Massey Tunnel this morning. Uh, the next uh, announcement may uh, induce road rage because I sometimes wonder why the government announces these things. But we got a press release yesterday or news release from the uh, Transportation Ministry. Uh, the Massey Tunnel Replacement Project is on track. They have chosen the three firms would-be bidders for the short list. And those, uh, they'll sort through those three firms and announce a final choice next year. And before long, the replacement for the tunnel, which is going to be another tunnel, uh, will be underway. So they got this one in hand. The tunnel will be open in 2030, so only seven more years of waiting. Oh, only. That's great. Only after seven, yesterday you know. morning, Vaughn, after yesterday morning, I'm sure this is on the minds of a lot of people. Yeah, no. It was a look, nightmare yesterday. Um, look, they inherited a project from <clears throat> the previous BC Liberal government, and some people didn't like it. It was a bridge. It was a wide bridge, 10 lanes. Uh, but the one thing that project had as an advantage going for it is if they had started, continued building it, they'd done some of the preliminary work, it would be open probably about now or by next year. And you wouldn't be waiting another seven years to get through the replacement tunnel. They say the project's on budget, by the way, $4.15 <laughs> billion. Wow, seven years uh, before it's finished, it's on budget? That's amazing. Yeah, uh, if, you, if you follow what happened with the new hospital in Surrey, which went 67% over budget before the groundbreaking, 
I wouldn't take that number to the bank myself. Yeah, I know. But that's a long way to go. And for people who live out there, that is a nightmare commute, Vaughn. Yeah. Just a night. Yeah, well, that's why you live in the city of Vancouver, right? It is. Yes, you, that's why You I saw moved. this coming, didn't you? Why didn't you tell the rest of us? <laughs> I, I was very, uh, when people, when I run into people from Ladner and they say that, they go, how is it? I go, listen, I got to tell you, I have a dr- the commute is amazing now. Yeah. But I also commute at four o'clock in the morning. So what are you going to do? <laughs> it's going to be good. Rub it in. Rub it in. Yeah, I do get up early. Uh, thank you for that, Vaughn. Bye-bye.